Hello, my name is J.D. Boudreaux, and I am your host for Well Within Reach, an MTS therapy and wellness podcast. MTS Therapy and Wellness is a locally owned company by a group of therapists with a home base in Lafayette, Louisiana since 1983. The company was started by physical therapists who had a desire to treat patients from a holistic perspective. The company is now led by a group of individuals who are bonded together by the same idea from 30 years ago, a desire to treat our clients and our team through mind, body, and spirit. Our tribe of professionals have come together to form a perfect storm of therapy know-how and personal growth cravings. Our goal is to help people on their journey toward their best self. The goal of this podcast is to share information that we find important and interesting as we navigate the world of therapy, business, and leadership. Your goals are well within reach, and we are here to help. On today's episode, we'll be discussing training of elite-level athletes, the importance of recovery during training, and also developing athletes after their time of competition. I would like to welcome today's guest to our podcast, Coach Mark Hockey. Welcome, Coach. Thanks for having me, JD. Really uh, excited about this opportunity and just appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Well, let's jump right in and we're going to start with an introduction so our audience members can learn a little bit more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Uh, like you just said, my name is Mark Hockey. I'm the head strength coach for the football program at, at the University of Louisiana, uh, Raging Cajuns. And uh, going into our third year there, really excited. Uh, the guys are working really hard. Uh, this is my 17th year of coaching, uh, going all the way back to my time, born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, going back to my time as I was a five-year strength coach at my alma mater, Jesuit High School in New Orleans. Uh, from there, was six years at the University of Alabama as an assistant. Uh, from there, I was a head strength coach for a year at Georgia. Uh, from there, assistant at Florida State. From there, uh, uh, the head strength coach at Texas A&M, and now going into my third year. Uh, my family and I have loved it here in Lafayette. My wife, Catherine's an artist, absolutely loves Lafayette. Uh, we have a daughter, Palmer, uh, just turned two in April. Um, so uh, just been really happy with uh, Lafayette as a whole, the good food, the good vibes. Obviously, I'm from Louisiana, so always a fan of that and uh we're really excited you know to to be part of this community and uh excited to be here with you today well, i appreciate you joining us you've talked about many of your stops along the way talk a little bit about prior to those stops your education uh and before getting into some of those uh jobs that you had sure 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 so you know i believe education is an ongoing thing especially in in my field uh, you know, before that, like I had mentioned, I went to high school at Jesuit High School and then went to college at Tulane and, and from there finished at University of New Orleans with a, a business degree. Um, and from there, I think I got into really in my college days is where I got into to learning uh, the aspects of strength and conditioning on the actual weight room floor, which isn't maybe always everybody's experience. But was five years uh, uh, strength assistant um, at Jesuit High School, working for various uh, multiple different head coaches. So kind of got to learn on the ground floor, which I think was it was good 
you force you to learn fast. And then from there, six years at Alabama, it's, I'm going into my 12th year on the collegiate level. Um, and then, you know, there's other ways to educate yourself, obviously, through certifications at CSCS certification through NSCA, uh, USA Weightlifting, uh, uh, one that I also have. Um, and I think, like I said, education is an ongoing process. And I think for training programs, to me, I look at it as a living, breathing thing. And that's something that adapts and evolves over time. So um, I think the biggest thing is, is you have a good plan, right? And, and you put that plan in motion. And then as things happen, right? Uh, you've got to adapt, you've got to pivot, you've got to evolve um, in order to uh, keep that program elite and keep getting the results you want. So constantly learning, uh, learning from everyone I've worked with from, the, from my days at Jesuit on to guys I worked for at different colleges, uh, even learn from assistants and interns that worked for me over the past few years. Uh, learn from our athletes, you know, there's it, always, uh, like I said, I think learning's an ongoing thing. Once you stop learning, um, I think your, your potential uh, to grow and, and become better kind of flatlines. Most definitely. And, you know, uh, that continual learning is something that, that we strive for, uh, both in the physical therapy and athletic training profession. I know it's very important in the strength and, and conditioning world as well. Outside of those educational experiences, though, I know that you value a lot of things. But what what types of events, what types of events in the past, have affected the way that you treat uh, your athletes and the people that you come in contact with? Uh, I know it's not only the traditional education route, but there are probably uh, many events that have influenced the way you treat your athletes and uh, clients today. Yeah, I think I think a lot of things. You know, I think. Uh how I was raised uh, by my parents, uh, interaction with my siblings, um, and then even just sports as a whole. Uh, you know, I do come from a broken home, and, and I think sports was a, a platform where I felt like I was really part of a family, and I really liked that camaraderie, even from my competition days. So I think I fell in love with sports from a young age and I think uh, being part of something bigger than myself was certainly huge and, and then get into coaching. Uh, it's funny, I got into coaching and didn't realize uh, the true grind of what it was. You know, as an athlete, you only see it through your lens and you're saying, man, coaches don't do anything. You know, the athletes do all the work and then you spend some time uh, looking through the coach's lens and you say, wow, this is a different type of grind. Um, but I think, you know, I'm Catholic, so I've certainly, you know, my faith plays a part in uh, how I, I try to treat people. Uh, I think that's what's special about being part of a team, right? It's it's team first. It's It's the same thing I would learn from our religion. It's about putting others before yourself uh, some form of servanthood, trying to put others first, uh, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, that type of mindset or idea. 
and I think that's what sports does. It's every, it's a group of people uh, coming together uh, for one specific common goal. And I think that's what's been beneficial and being part of that since I was young, I think it's helped mold me and, and I guess my coaching style and philosophy. Definitely some key pillars to how to treat people and how to achieve success, not only on the athletic field and in the, in the weight room, but also uh, having a relationship with your clients and athletes outside of that area as well. Um, as we jump into kind of what you do on a daily basis and how you train uh, some of these elite level athletes, just talk about um, how you modify some of these programs uh, from a, a periodization or a time in a year standpoint. And uh, so our audience members can understand kind of the rationale uh, behind the, some of the programs that you develop for, for the football team. Sure, sure. So I think, you know, I think whenever you're putting together a plan, you've got to look at, all right, how long am I going to be training for? So with us, it's, it's a yearly schedule, right? So um, and the way I've broken it up is you're going to have two eight-week training sessions, one leading into spring football and then another eight-week training session leading into fall camp. Now, the eight-week training session that leads into spring football, all right, once spring football starts, that becomes an end-season training block. Now, that looks a little bit different depending on where you're at, but our end-season training blocks are around five weeks, all right? So that's what spring looks like. From January to, I'd say, end of March, you got about an eight-week off-season training block, and then five maybe plus weeks of an in-season training block then the players get some downtime right so they take their exams in early late april early may and then they get some downtime uh to go be with family members whatnot that's what your typical uh first few months plus look like then you start that training block over to where it's eight weeks in the summer uh and then the way i broke it up the season's right around four months, right? So uh, August, September, October, November. Now, August is camp, but I consider that end season because that's when the pads come on, uh, pads start popping, we start hitting, that sort of thing. So I count that as an end season month. So for those four months, you're looking at about roughly 16 weeks, okay? so. I would say the eight weeks leading into spring ball and the eight weeks leading into fall camp, those look pretty similar because it's off season. So when I'm training, uh, regardless if it's weight room or even on field training, we're always going to start with a high workload and a low intensity. And then they're going to work across each other, right? As the workload goes down, our intensity is going to go up. So we're going to start with say five sets of five we do an olympic-based training okay that's what i believe in so let's say on a monday we'll do a, a full clean we'll do a a front squat we'll do a some form of push monday's probably going to be a bench press some form of pull monday's probably going to be a pull-up and then we do some posterior chain work so maybe uh what we call like a ham ne ham negative that's really uh, focusing on the eccentric phase of a curl. It's almost like a reverse hamstring curl, all right? So uh, that's basically what the layout of a Monday would look like. But I work off of uh, 
we generally stay between a uh, five and one rep range. So workload being high, the first couple of weeks, we're gonna do ideally five sets of five reps, right? And then intensity is slowly gonna increase uh, from each set. And then as you go on towards that eighth week, we're gonna still be doing maybe four to five sets, but instead of five reps, we're gonna be hitting closer to maybe a triple, a double, a couple singles trying to get to 90% plus of uh, a single rep max and a bunch of those lifts. All right. And then um, same, th same concept for running, right? Um, first day back, you don't want, we're not looking for hundred percent max velocity sprint training. I'm trying to develop somewhat of a foundation. So the workload might be greater. The distance might be greater but the intensity of this sprint uh, is a little bit lower. So we'll do some submax sprint work, 85%, even lower, depending on what we're doing. Uh, and we'll build that up and then slowly but surely, uh, as the weeks progress, we'll go up, hit, be hitting 90% plus of our max velocity. Does that kind of answer uh, from a program standpoint? And then actually that's one thing I want to talk about too. So then in season, obviously looks a little bit different because of the demands that end season creates, right? Uh, you're practicing for two hours on many of the days, right? So you're not going to, from a strength standpoint, we want to still be developing strength. Okay. We want to be able to still keep them healthy and strong, but you're not going to be able to put the same priority as you would in the off season because you're not gonna have the time, right? And then just because of the demand on the overall demand of the body because of practice. So instead of maybe doing five sets of five in season, it looks like more three to four sets. So if I was starting uh, in season progression over again, it would be three to four sets of five. And then that same type of, uh, linear per periodization to where workload starts high, works down, intensity starts low, works up. Gotcha. Thanks, some excellent pieces of advice, especially for uh, athletes out there. But I think you can take some of those pillars that you talk about and also uh, look at the general public as well. You know, you talk about the demands, physical demands of being in season and some of the, the general public members that are they're looking part of a workout program. It's critical for them to understand that they may have parts in, in their life where they're, um, they're physically worn down or, or mentally worn down from, from work or other demands, family or life demands. And it's probably just as key for them to understand that they need to modify their workout routine as well to, to adjust to those demands. Is that correct? Oh yeah, there's no doubt. And even speaking for myself, you know, I don't train like these athletes do. Uh, and I think, uh, just doing anything and my best advice with anything if it was when you're trying to even with our athletes when you're trying to create new positive or good habits it's always start small right start small um, I think you have a better chance for it becoming uh, a stable new habit if you start smaller and grow it over time so you know whatever it may be say you haven't trained in months, say you haven't trained in a year, that's okay. You're not too old to start now. I think you just got to start small and, and maybe seek advice from different people. But 
really simple. Start with, uh, like I mentioned, higher rep ranges. Uh, you're trying to train the total body. So depending on if you want to be in the weight room, higher rep ranges and, and lower intensity or lower weight on the bar. Right? I don't think it's a bad thing if you haven't trained in the weight room in months or years to just train with the bar for the first week or two and get your, your body adjusted to those new movements and whatnot. And then over time, you'll be able to listen to your body and it'll tell you, all right, it's time to put a little more weight on the bar. Uh, same thing could be said if you're going to be doing cardio, cardiovascular work or sprint training or whatever, you know, same deal. You want to uh, start small, you know, don't go out there and try and run as fast as possible after being on the sofa for three months or, or three years or whatever it may be. Start with, you know, crawl before you run or walk before you run. Do some walking, do some light jogging. Once that becomes easy, then you can start doing, you know, 85% submax sprinting. If you really want to do sprint work, then you can start doing that too in intervals. But I think that same concept, just start small and, and program everything, write down everything you do. Um, I think it's, it's, it's really a simple approach. Even if it's just body weight exercise, you know, that was a big thing during COVID, during quarantine, or all these gyms were closed. Well, you don't need necessarily need a gym to be healthy. You know, I watched my grandfather, I think it was the JFK workout. He did X amount of jumping jacks, push-ups, sit-ups, bodyweight squats, and he did that every morning. And I love the idea of that. It's so simple, uh, but if it's just something like that, you start small, and who knows what can grow from that. Uh, great, great piece of advice. You must have just read my mind because I was just about to speak about, you know, you seem to have an excellent plan, but there's always could be a wrinkle or something thrown in it. And, you know, uh, the quarantine and the athletes being off of campus, just speak a little bit about um, kind of some of the things that you have done uh, during this time to try to keep your athletes engaged, uh, try to keep them motivated. Uh, so when they were able to return to campus, um, they were they were still uh, active and still in somewhat shape. Just speak a, a little bit to, to what you have done with your athletes during this time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it's always a concern, you know, whenever you get time away from your athletes, sometimes it is much needed. You know, I, I had mentioned earlier that generally they get a few weeks in May to go home, be with family and friends. You know, this is the first time in my short lifetime that in, I guess, 12 years of college ball, or 17 years in coaching to where we had this long of a period where we were off, you know, it's three months, three months plus for certain people. Uh, really, I want to say like towards the beginning of March. Um, and then we actually just started doing voluntary work back in the weight room this past week, which was, which has been a tremendous blessing, but to, to get three months off, my first concern is just the mental well-being of the athletes. You know, I think our guys are, are wired to go. They're wired to train. They're wired to practice. They're wired to work out, run. They're active. You know, they're more active than your ordinary person. You know, that's what you talk about elite athletes, collegiate athletes are elite compared to the rest of the world, right? Uh, how active they are over the course of a, uh, any given day or a week or a month or a year. Um, you know, you're looking at their activity being towards the top five to 1% compared to the rest of the world. 
So I worry about their mental well-being because, you know, you get three months off and then, you know, what's your self-discipline like? You know, what's your diet looking like? Are you hydrating enough? Are you sleeping enough? Are you in a routine? I think people in general benefit from being in a routine. I know I do. Uh, I think that's one of the things I tried to impose on myself when we did get into quarantine. Okay, got with my wife. What time, you know, are we going to go to bed? What time are we going to wake up? How are we going to delegate uh, being with, spending time with our daughter, uh, whatever I mean, giving her time to work on her art, giving myself time necessary to uh, attend to the strength and conditioning and, and, and our athletes. Um, so I think having that routine, having that schedule is important. Um, you know, we were able to do a lot of work virtually. Although I wasn't able to watch them train per se, I was able to watch, uh, check in with them, uh, check on their well-being, mental well-being. Um, and I think we did a fair job of, of keeping in touch with guys uh, over the course of that three-month period. And then, um, you know, we've been back to work and, and so far so good. And, and you, you continually hear it uh, in your responses. Uh, which you just mentioned there, if it's not just the, the work that you do, but it's also the recovery that's important, the sleep and the nutrition and the hydration. But one thing that you continue to bring out in many of your answers is the, the mental health and the well-being of your athletes. And the three pillars that MTS work off of is, is mind, body, and spirit. And I know that you're very passionate about not only developing your athletes uh, on the field of play and in the weight room, but, but you want to build them to be better men after they finish their competition. Just So speak a little bit about how your interaction with them uh, is not only for the now, uh, but it's transformational in trying to make them better men uh, as they leave the program that they're a part of. Yeah, I think you hit on something that's really important to me and to us at UL is just that mental aspect of it. You know, uh, fear and doubt starts in the mind. And the opposite of that uh, belief, confidence, that starts in the mind too. Um, and I think those thoughts fuel, all right, our actions, those actions fuel our results. They fuel who we become, our character on, off the field. So I've read, and I forget exactly where it was, but I, I, I read, I try and read uh, regularly, daily, around 30, at least 30 minutes a day. And uh, read uh, a while back, you know, getting the opportunity as a head strength coach, you're really, uh, get to be the mouthpiece for the head coach. So obviously it's been great time paying attention, observing coach Napier, listening to everything, the values of the organization, trying to reiterate everything he says, be his mouthpiece. But also I read a while back saying, you know, if you got five minutes to talk to your team, what's the one thing you want them to hear that day? And, and the, the analogy was, if you only had five minutes to talk to your child, what would the message of the day be? So that's where it got me thinking like, wow, we really do get an opportunity uh, to hopefully impart some wisdom and inspire these guys, um, develop their confidence, develop their, help develop their thinking patterns that help develop their habits, who they become, their character, uh, and to me, it, it's developing them mentally and then leadership development is as important as anything because what what about life after football too, you know? 
even if all goes well and you end up playing NFL football for 10, 15 years, you're hanging up those cleats at still a very young age. I mean, let's just say you, you start playing NFL football at 21 and you have a 15 year career. Very few people do this. They'd be my age. I'm turning 36 in a few weeks. All right. They'd be 36 years old and their football career would be done. That's having an elite career. Very few people do that. So my concern is, you know, what, let's develop them for life after football. And I think Coach Napier is the exact same way and our entire staff is, is coaching them mentally. Uh, that's one of my favorite things Coach Napier does year-round, Fridays before the games, the night before the game. All the players know it. Uh, we have a team meeting, and it's kind of the head coach's address. And he just takes them through stuff, just mental development, leadership development. He'll go through key figures, whether it be in sports, uh, it could be actors, it could be politics, whatever. And he talks about a lot of the values that these people have used or, or practiced or implemented in order to become ses- successful, not just in football, but also within whatever their profession may be, but as one day as hopefully fathers, one day hopefully as husbands, right? And, and as you know, as, as most people know, all that goes hand in hand. So if, if you're gonna have a vision, if you're gonna have discipline, if you're gonna have passion, you want to instill all those values in everything you do, not just me being a strength coach. I wanna have those same values as a father, as a husband. Um, in anything you do, how you do anything is how you do everything. Um, so the mental development, the leadership development, I think is as important as anything. And, and, and that's what I kind of fell in love with. And I think a lot of people have fallen in love with strength and conditioning is you get so much more time with the athletes year round and you get those opportunities to plant those seeds and, and hopefully uh, influence their pattern of, pattern of thinking. Definitely. And it seems like, you know, very passionate about what you do. You bring up many uh, great values that you try to instill uh, in your, your former athletes that you've worked with and your current athletes. Uh, just describe a special moment for you in the field of strength and conditioning, whether it's an individual or a time or a team where, you know, you look back and you're like, man, that's a special moment or that was a special case that I, I really had an uh, impact on on a certain situation. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's so tough to give you one because I think I speak for most coaches. That's, that's why we do it. You know, there's so many memories made, you know, the sacrifice is great. The sacrifice is high, but I mean, anything from, and this happened over quarantine, this happens regularly to where it might be a former athlete that texts me. I mean, I had a guy call me just the other day that, played receiver for us at Alabama and we were talking shop he was asking me about training uh his lower back but then we got into this and we got into that how's your family how's my family blah 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 blah. hey thank you for everything little things like that you know or a current player that just finished shooting you a text I really appreciate you know everything y'all do blah 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 little things like that I mean that'll make your day make your month make your year uh that just strengthens my conviction that 
the 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 seeds that we're planting on a daily basis that they're taking root and and that these guys are listening um they got their ears open and their eyes wide open and we've got an opportunity to influence them and that's that's one of the many reasons why i love what i do but i mean i'm a competitor by nature so it'd be hard to not say huge wins you know i mean speak of our team this past year be able to get 11 wins first time in school history I mean, that's incredible feat in itself. Um, even though we came up short, being able to compete for the conference championship the last couple of years. Uh, and to me, sometimes the bad memories are important as the good memories, because as a competitor and as a man, uh, sometimes the bad memories uh, help you propel you forward to create more better memories. So uh, those are some that come to mind. But, yeah, big wins and competitions, uh, interaction with the players one-on-one -on -one daily. Uh, every once in a while you got you get a really special interaction one-on-one, -on -one, spending time with guys. Uh, too many to, to mention. Definitely some special relationships and, and some big moments, you know, big wins uh, where you're currently at at the University of Louisiana and I'm sure at past stops, you know, big events such as graduation and, and seeing – seeing athletes uh, achieve their goals. Uh, but just like in any other profession, they're, they're not all good days and there's some bad days. So uh, when you have uh, some days that are, don't go the way you expect them to go, um, how do you refuel on a personal and professional level to make sure that you're at your best for the next day uh, to, to help these athletes achieve their goals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's, I think that's I think that's a great point you bring up. So, you know, that's such a loaded word, a bad day, right? That could go in so many different ways. But I think to make it simple, what strikes my mind is just adversity, right? And I think that's that's something everyone deals with, right? Life is difficult. Right? Life is adverse. All right. So there's gonna come times let me tell you something. When my alarm went off at four forty five this morning adversity that's what that is okay and i've got to make a decision to hit the snooze button and be soft and not be the best version of myself or i've got the opportunity to turn my alarm off and the three i have set after that just in case i am soft and go brush my teeth say my prayers get on my day um but i think to, for me personally I think it's about having a, a good routine. You know, I think uh, getting in the word every day, getting the Bible every day, very helpful. Uh, I mentioned reading for 30 minutes a day, that's helpful. I write, so writing for 30 minutes a day is important. Uh, I like to meditate with my prayer. Um, so spending some time meditating, 10 to 20 minutes a day, um, exercising, I think, is really important. You know, I lifted today for about 30, 40 minutes between uh, two of the groups. Uh, I think it's important to try and exercise for 30 minutes a day. Um, and then, um, I, for me personally, getting outside is important. You know, walking, uh, getting out in the sunlight, I think it's important. That's one thing. I could get stuck in that weight room from five in the morning until five in the evening, sometimes later, I got to go, when I can, go grab a five-minute walk 
around the practice fields in the sun. Um, hydrating, right? Drinking enough water. I'm on my feet so much. Uh, making sure I get enough sleep at night. I'd mentioned the alarm going off early. Got to get eight hours of sleep. Can't just preach on it to the players. Got to do. Got to be about it myself. Um, and you know, you might be saying, "Well, how do you get 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there?" Well, what I've found is if I spend those two hours of bettering myself, whether it be 30 minutes of working out, 30 minutes of meditation, prayer. 30 minutes of reading, 30 minutes of writing, that's two hours of work out of a 24-hour day. The days I do that are my best days, no matter what comes at me, right? Because I'm in a place mentally to where I don't get an emotional rush one way or the other. I don't get thrown off, right? I'm anchored down, right? I've, I've been in the word, I've, I've, I've written, I've read, I've given myself some physical activity to where I'm balanced and, and I'm stable for the whole day. Where I get in the issue is if I'm not, if I don't get enough sleep, if I'm not in the word, if I'm not doing my writing, if I'm not doing my reading, right? And I'm just kind of cutting corners through the day because then adversity happens and your emotions get the best of you. That's me speaking for me personally. Um, I think that's also we kind of try and preach with the athletes as well as, you know, how you respond to life, how you respond to adversity. I'm sure you've heard um, life is, you know, 10% what happens to us, 90% how we respond to it. So I think it's about having a good plan, sticking to it. Um, and then as life comes at you, being able to respond. An excellent, excellent piece of advice whether you're in business, leadership, therapy, an athlete, you know, developing a routine and making sure that you're anchored uh, to your core values. Uh, Coach Hockey dropping some, some definite pearls for everybody listening in today. Uh, I mean, you've been in many stops. Uh, you've kind of told us a little bit about, about your, your past and uh, what you believe in. Uh, just tell us about who's had the biggest influence or a few people that's had a, a big amount of influence on your personal and professional growth. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, personal growth, obviously my parents, my siblings, um, my wife, obviously, um, so many people, uh, you know, personally also, um, spiritual mentors, Ben, Scotty, I mean, I have, uh, you don't wage war without sound counsel is what I'd say. So you want to surround yourself with as many good men and women as you can. And, and you want to keep going back to those wells as often as you can, um, as your experience in life, good and bad. Um, professionally, um, you know, I think, uh, same thing. So many people, it's hard to mention everybody. If I had to pick one or two professionally, I'd probably say, you know, Scott Cochran was uh, the strength, head strength coach at uh, Alabama the six, year, six years I was there. You know, his, his mentor was Tommy Moffitt. You know, I, I know he's a legend in our field. Um, I know a lot of the program that we use today, a lot of that you know, probably came from his programming. Um, and then, you know, Billy Napier, our head coach, you know, being able to work with him for three years, was with him for 
a few years at Alabama when he was a receivers coach and I was an assistant strength coach. Um, I've learned from him every day on what that looks like to be a, a great leader, uh, father, husband, and, and man. So those would probably be the two, you know, professionally and personally. Appreciate you sharing those individuals with us. And I know they have impacted you a lot. You know, in the coaching profession, um, a lot of times we, I know you kind of live in the moment and, and you uh, worry about what's here, but we want to take a look at the future. You've uh, achieved a lot of success uh, at the University of Louisiana, as you mentioned in the last three years, but what are you excited about moving forward and, and looking forward to in the future? Yeah, I'd say uh, everything, right? Uh, that's what's exciting. We don't really always know what's in front of us, but excited to get after it you know i think you mentioned particularly what we got going on here um at ul you know going into our third season i think everybody involved feels like we've left a little bit on the plate and we haven't quite accomplished everything that we've set out to accomplish and um that's the sweet thing about being in the off season is no one has any losses or wins at this point uh, you're, we're going to all have to go earn it one day at a time uh, for when that time comes when we get to put down the ball and compete again. Uh, so I think that's what's most exciting is I think it's been uh, a work in progress for two years. And, and I think everyone's really excited to see what year three looks like. And I, th I think it starts with the hard work of the student athletes. The guys have worked so hard from day one, from when we got back here, got here in 2018, um, to get behind a new coaching staff and a new philosophy and a new way of doing things and really buy in and, and go to work and be committed to a work ethic second to none. And, you know, rinse repeat the same process year two and well now we're rinse repeating that same process for year three and that's what's exciting is i can't wait to watch those guys uh continue to work towards that goal uh and can't uh wait to get to the season hopefully into august early september and then when we look at the strength and conditioning field uh without giving away any secrets that you may have but what are some things that are that you find fascinating or interesting or so, some new things that you're currently reading on uh, that, that may be something good for some of our audience members to look out for in the, in the near future from a strength and conditioning perspective? Yeah, I think, gosh, I think the biggest thing is, is to, to be a sponge and to continue to educate yourself. You know, I feel like the more I learn on this process, the less I know. Uh, there's just so much that goes into it from not only um, from the weight room alone, but the on-field training, right? Uh, to even outside of that, uh, taking care of yourself, whether it be sleep, education, uh, hydration, your diet, you know, macronutrients, whatever it may be. Uh, if you look at the process as a whole, right, and being able to break it down into different facets, and to go to work on each one of those facets and, and better educate ourselves so that we can better educate the student athletes. I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's all fascinating, you know, um, whether it be 
what's ways we can improve and stay healthy. You know, constantly asking guys like yourself, hey, you know, what are you seeing more of? Are there certain injuries that are popping up more? Um, what's ways that we could, you know, keep them out of your room per se? Uh, just anybody and everybody that you can pick their brain and, and try and better your process. Uh, constantly doing professional development, talking to people outside, you know, that work at other high schools, work at other colleges, work on NFL level, whether it be athletic trainers, PTs, or strength coaches, or even coaches. I mean, you can learn from all walks of life uh, in different ways to train guys and, and develop guys mentally and physically. Excellent things to look forward to in the, the profession of uh, strength and conditioning. Um, the next question uh, talks about a legacy that you want to live. And this is a question that we like to ask on this podcast. Um, and I think it reveals a lot about the individuals that, are, that have been on there. Uh, but when all is said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want the last sentence to be said about you and your life? The last sentence? Well, when you first said, um, when you first talked about legacy, you know, I think my one word would be inspire. So if I had to just put it down into one word and keep it simple, it'd be, you know, inspiring those around me. Um, I think that's kind of part of, of my job as a coach and as a father and as a husband leading my family. So I think inspiration, that's, that's the core. That's the one word, inspire. Hopefully I inspire the people I come across uh, to be the best version of, of themselves, whether that be football player, coach, man, woman, husband, father, whatever it may be. Um, and at the end of the day, being a child of God, it'd be the last sentence hopefully is, son, well done. I hope that's what he tells me. That would probably be a great last sentence. Um, Excellent legacy. And I know the work that you're doing, uh, not only with the athletes, but in the community of Lafayette, uh, definitely well on to uh, leaving a, a great legacy. As we bring this episode to a close, uh, and we, as we wrap up and conclude, I just want to give you an opportunity to expand on anything that you, you have talked about or, or share anything with the audience that we may have missed. And then also uh, kind of leave some contact information or a calling card if they would want to contact you and get in touch with you uh, on any of the topics that we've covered so far. Well, first, J.D., I just want to thank you for having me on here. Uh, what a great experience, a learning experience. You made me better today, so I appreciate you. Uh, get me prepared for this and challenging me. Um, and, and to your whole group, your whole unit at MTS, y'all do a tremendous job with our athletes. Um, and uh, really excited to be around y'all again when I see y'all coming through the complex, hopefully sooner than later. Um, outside of that, you know, uh, ways to get in touch with me, I'd say, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, uh, Coach M Hockey, so Coach M H O C K E. Uh, that's at Coach M H O C K E, and then if you want to email me, um, uh, M B H O C K E M B Hockey at Gmail dot com, um, and then you could email me there, or even go through you, G uh, J D. If someone wants to get in touch with me over the phone for whatever reason, uh, then go through you, and, and we can we can coordinate that, but. Really just appreciate y'all having me on and uh, glad I got this opportunity. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Uh, we look forward to having you on some future episodes. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, go Cajuns.
Yes, sir. And thanks again for joining us for this episode of Well Within Reach. We believe in the power of physical movement along with emotional and spiritual connection. As a team, we hope that you find what we share here helpful on your journey. Whether you are battling physical issues or looking for kindred folks, we are honored to have the opportunity to connect with you. As a rapidly growing company, we are always looking to expand our footprint and our tribe. If you are looking for more information about our company or how to join our team, please visit mtspts.com. If you have content ideas for our podcast or feedback of any kind, you can reach us at podcast at mtspts.com. If you found value from it, please share it with a friend. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as new episodes release. You can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. We would be extremely grateful for that as your reviews help encourage others to listen in. Remember, your best self is well within reach and so is our next episode. We hope you join us then.